I'm a college campus minister here in Buffalo. And I'd like to thank you for having me here and speak today because I get to practice on you. This is exciting to me. Two weeks from now, I'm going to be doing something I haven't done in a very long time. We're taking college students on a retreat. Like we're going somewhere with people away. We haven't done that in a long time. And so I'm going to be giving a message at that retreat that's very similar to this one. Obviously, it will be better because I will have practiced on you today. So thank you for being here. With that said, let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What an incredible world he created, isn't it? It's amazing. It's beautiful. Brimming with so much raw material. What an incredible world God gave us. But we human beings... We've messed things up a little bit, haven't we? But in the person of Jesus Christ, God is working out his plan to make all things new. That's the gospel. That's the good news. In a nutshell, reduced down, this is the message of Scripture. Okay? And that last part, I want to talk about that for a couple minutes here. And in fact, we're going to bring up a Scripture on the screen here. This should be familiar to you if you were here a few weeks ago because we have just finished up a series on Revelation. And the passage that we used in that last series, was, in that last message, was this. Then I saw a new heaven and earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't we looking forward to that day? Isn't that going to be the day of all days? I can't wait for that day. Right in this section here that we're looking at right now, there's a part that really stands out to me. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. It makes me think of another passage here all the way at the opposite end of the Bible. Now we're going to go to Genesis real quick. And in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. What do these passages have in common? In both of these passages, in Genesis and in Revelation, mankind and God are having face-to-face -face conversations. They are together. And that is how God has intended it to be. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth and they totally overlapped one another. That was the design. But because of sin, 
heaven and earth have been ripped apart. And God's plan, everything from Genesis chapter 3 on, is all about his plan of bringing heaven and earth back together again. That's the whole story of the Bible. And I just hit my mic right here on my hip. I will try not to do that again. And so we see this passage here in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus is teaching us to pray. But why do we have to pray? Because we're not face to face. We're in that in-between time when humanity is separated, okay? We were created to be in the garden with God, face to face with him. And that's where everything is going. We're going back to a time when everything overlaps. But in that in-between time, when heaven and earth are ripped apart, what do we have? God has given us prayer. And so Jesus gives us this amazing prayer in Matthew chapter 6 that Pastor Brian read. But here's the thing. Prayer is throughout scripture. In fact, this scripture stands on an entire foundation of scripture, of prayer that goes throughout the Bible. And I think before we address this passage, the Matthew chapter 6 passage, we need to go back We need to go into the Old Testament. What does this scripture stand on? And we're going to go back to the book of Psalms. Now, the book of Psalms is interesting. It's it's a number of things. It's a prayer book, for sure. It's also a hymn book. Yeah, it's also a poetry book. But think about these things. What what is prayer and uh, and, uh, prayer... uh, um, This is why I take notes. Poetry, songs, what are all these things? Aren't these things that we do to those whom we love? Don't we write songs to people that we love? Don't we write poems? Don't we talk to people that we love? Absolutely. And so that's what the psalmists do. Now when you look at the book of Psalms, it can be broken down into two main categories. You've got praises, And you've got laments. And I want to look at a praise right now. The very first one we're going to look at is Psalm 148. And it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters from the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. This is obviously a praise psalm. And I think this is what we're most comfortable with here in the church. We're comfortable with praising God. But here's the thing, if you read through the book of Psalms, you're going to see a lot of different types of psalms in there. They're not all praise songs. The other category, other than praise, is really lament. And there's more than one kind of lament. And the first lament I want to look at is Psalm 13. It says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. 
give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. That's a lament that resolves. It starts out, why, oh God, why? But the author comes back around. And in case you're wondering, the author here is David. Let's go to the next one. Because this is a different category of lament. This is a psalm that does not resolve. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, did you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and I am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is a psalm that does not resolve. The author of this psalm, they don't see light at the end of the tunnel. Well, they're going to God. They know who they need to speak to. But at the moment, as they're penning this, they don't have hope on the horizon. The next category is a little bit different. It's definitely not a praise. So it's definitely in the category of lament. But it's something that I think we're even more uncomfortable with. This is imprecatory prayer. What is imprecatory prayer? Let's find out. Let's go to our next one. Do you rulers indeed seek justly? Do you judge people with equity? No. In your heart you devise injustice and your hands mete out violence on the earth. Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward, spreading lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped his ears. They will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Lord, tear out the fangs of those lions. Let them lash or languish or Vanish, there we go. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along. Like a stillborn child that never sees the sun. Ouch! This is rough. This is in scripture. How are we to think about this? Imagine a little boy coming up to his daddy and saying, Dad, I want you to go over there and kick that guy's butt. Do you know what he just did to me? Take him out, Dad. You can do it. I know you can. Wreck that guy. That's what kind of psalm we're looking at here. But we dads, we know better because we'll end up in jail, right? It's not good for dads to go and beat up small children that just beat up theirs. We're older, we're wiser, some of us. 
And yet, this is what we find in our scriptures. How are we to think about this? This psalm, along with Psalm 13, were written by the same man. They're both attributed to King David. Now, David's an interesting character because he did many wonderful things in his life. He also did some really terrible things. He committed adultery with a woman. And then he worked it out to have her husband killed in order to cover up what he did. So as wonderful as David was, he was also an adulterer and a murderer and, not but, and the scriptures say that he's a man after God's own heart. How on earth am I supposed to reconcile this? I've thought about this a lot over the years. And here's what I've come to. David is a man after God's own heart because he has no filter between him and God. When you read the Psalms attributed to David, you see the highest of highs, you see the lowest of lows, and you see everything in between. He does not hold back from God. King David reminds, reminds me a lot of my friend Pam. Now, when I was a college student, I met Pam through the campus ministry. She went to a different college, and so the only time I saw Pam was when we were at a retreat. But we became friends, and, and she gave me a nickname. Her nickname for me was Big Brother. And even though she was a week older than me, Whenever she saw me, invariably I'd be pulling up into the retreat, I'd get out of my car, and I'd hear from across the parking lot, Big Brother! And she'd run over and give me a big hug, and we'd talk, and it'd be wonderful. Well, we had many conversations. And over time, I got to know her story. Pam's father abused her in every way imaginable. He abused her physically, Emotionally, sexually. This man would put cigarettes out on his daughter. If anybody ever deserved to be in prison, it was him. And I remember one night, Pam was angry. And she was struggling. As you can imagine, this is a person who had a lot of baggage to deal with. She was furious, and it was all starting to come out. Why, God, why? Why? Why did I have to go through? Why? What did I do? And before I knew it, Pam's arms were just flailing, and she was pounding on me. She was so upset. She was just swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging. I'm taking hits in the face and the chest and everything. And in that moment, the only thing I knew was that my job was to stand there and take it. And so Pam just swung and swung and swung with all of her might. Why, God, why? And when she had completely exhausted herself, she fell forward into my arms and I held her and she cried and cried and cried. A few days later, Pam got baptized. But she had to get some stuff out beforehand, didn't she? 
Have you ever prayed like Pam? Well, she was pounding on me, but she was talking to God. Have you ever prayed like Pam, just swinging with all of your might? Because I have. I've prayed that way. Six months into our marriage, my wife descended into what ended up being a four and a half year depression. She would come home from work and the beautiful, wonderful, happy person that I knew and loved and had just married a few months prior, I could barely recognize her. She hardly even looked like herself. And I noticed over time that my anger was growing. At first, I thought I was angry at Karen. But after a while, I realized, I'm I'm not angry at Karen. I'm angry at God. And the anger grew and grew. And finally, I started pounding on God's chest. Why? Why are we here? We did this right. How dare you let this happen? How dare you? We weren't fooling around like other people beforehand. We were pointing each other towards you, God. We were bringing wonderful, awesome, godly people into our relationship. And we were doing this so that we could set an excellent foundation for a wonderful marriage. Why on earth has this happened? And so I came at God swinging. You better believe it. I was mad. And I pounded on him for all I was worth. And when I was exhausted from it, that's when I pitched forward into his arms and he held me. He took it. He took all the pounding. And God held me through that season. And eventually that season passed. And we walked into a new day. But I needed to get that out. Have you ever prayed like that? Now our passage today is from Matthew 6. It's 6. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's probably one of the most familiar scriptures out there to all of us. Maybe you can't pray that prayer yet. Maybe you need to do like the psalmist did. Maybe you're able to pray something that's similar to Psalm 13, where you start out, why, oh God, how long, oh look God, but then you're able to resolve it. Maybe you're not able to pray that prayer yet. Maybe you need to be more like Psalm 88. Darkness is my closest friend. Maybe that's your prayer for right now. Maybe you've got some imprecatory prayers stuck inside of you. Get them out. Take them to God. We want to pray like Matthew 6. We want to pray the Lord's Prayer. But if that's honestly not where you're at yet, don't go there yet. We're going there. But if you're not there yet, be honest. Have no filter. Go to God with all of it. He can handle it. If there's one thing God has never done to me, he has never dropped me. 
I may have tried to jump out of his arms sometimes, but he has never dropped me. So if you need to go pound on his chest now, do it. There is a prayer that I've prayed over the years. I often call it my most effective prayer. I wrote it out here so that you can see it. It goes something like this. Dear Jesus, Amen. Sometimes it's hard to put words to everything that's going on in here, isn't it? I can't always do it. So sometimes I just kind of to God, and I know He can interpret that. So if that's your prayer, by all means, copy that down. That said, let's look at the Lord's Prayer. The very first part of it says, Our Father. Now in John chapter 1 it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the right to speak directly to your Father. If you remember, I think about two weeks ago, Milo was giving a message, and he gave a quote in it, and it says that if you know who you are, you'll know what to do, right? Who are you? You're a child of God. And if you genuinely know that, then you know what you should do. You need to talk to your father. Next. Next slide, please. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you are awesome. Your name is hallowed. Your name is set apart. Your name is special. You are the center of the universe, not me. Okay? God, I want you up front and center, not me. Because when I'm in the center, things don't go well. Next slide. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember what I said at the beginning? God created heaven and earth overlapped and then they're ripped apart by sin and God's whole plan for the rest of the Bible is the bringing back together of heaven and earth. When you're praying this prayer, you are 100% in line with scripture. This is what God wants for all of us, for all time, for all history. For the whole world, okay? This is a very good prayer to pray. Next slide. Give us today our daily bread. Fun fact, real bread, which human beings have been eating for thousands of years, not that Wonder Bread stuff you get at the grocery store that has 33 ingredients, but real bread, which has three ingredients in it, has everything in it to sustain human life. How cool that God gave us a prayer that is exactly right. 
give us today our daily bread. God, give us exactly what we need to do this life. Next slide. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Why would we do this? Those people hurt us. Well, immediately following the Lord's Prayer, the passage tells us that God will not forgive you unless you forgive others. Think of it. How much have we been forgiven? Do we have higher standards than God? If God can forgive me everything, everything in my life that I've done that violates him, why is it that I cannot forgive those around me? If we want to receive God's forgiveness, we need to be willing to extend God's forgiveness. Next slide. <coughs> and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, sometimes I am tempted by things over here. Help me to look to you over here, to set my eyes on you in order to avoid this. As a college campus minister, I work on a campus with many young, beautiful women. And so I have had to develop skills in order to walk right and humbly on that campus. One of my frequent prayers is, God, help me to see these people the way you see them. If I was not a man of prayer, there is no way I could do what I do on campus properly. My prayers keep me on the right road. And so finally, I want to talk about that last section of our passage today that has to do with fasting. What is fasting about? Well, there's a few ways of thinking about it. You could think of it as, say, like a nice smooth cup of coffee in the morning versus a double espresso. Okay? Or maybe a nice watery soup, but then you take it and you cook it down a bit and you reduce it and you intensify it. That's what fasting does. It intensifies things. For you car guys out there, imagine you're driving a nice V8 car, but then you take it to the shop and have them bolt a supercharger onto the engine. Speaking of which, Brian, uh, I need you to put your thinking cap on. My minivan, supercharger, let's talk afterwards, okay? Yes, absolutely, okay? I need help merging into traffic uh, better. It's, it's a safety feature, safety feature. Fasting is one of those things has you saying no to many good things in order to say yes to one great thing. When your tummy is rumbling there because you haven't eaten, the intent is to get you to focus then on that which you're meant to be about. God, I'm not here simply to eat, but I am here to be about you. And so every time my body wants me to do that which I'm not doing right now, I come to you again. Kind of like a car, when you're doing high-performance stuff with a car, there's a lot of tuning involved. There's a lot of experimentation. Do that. 
Do that with fasting. Experiment. Try it. See what God does. Because that's what I want for you guys. I want prayer, speaking to God, to be a beautiful, wonderful experience in your lives. Why? Because you're created to communicate with your Savior. Remember that Revelation passage? The day is coming when we are going to be face-to-face with God again. In fact, that's what I'm most looking forward to because there is only one who has been there with me through everything. Everything, everything, everything. He's been there for all of it. I've never seen him, not face to face. But he's been there through all of it. And I cannot wait for that day to come when I am looking him in the eye and I can say, hey, it is so good to see you. But until that day, we're going to keep talking. We're going to keep praying. We've got to stay in touch with our Savior. I would like for the band to come up now. And as they're coming up, I want to leave you with two prayers that have been really helpful to me. Now, the night before Jesus was crucified, he prayed, God, if there is any other way of doing this thing, any other way, let's do that. But not my will, but your will be done. Many times I have prayed, Lord, you know what I want in this situation. Or, you know what I don't want in this situation. But, not my will be done, but your will be done. The other one is this. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you been anxious at all lately, this last year? I have. More than I could have imagined. And yet I've gone to the Lord in prayer again and again and again and again. And He has soothed my soul. He has helped take the anxieties and let them fall away. If you're ever looking for a passage of scripture that's really clear, it's hard to find one that's more clear than this. Are you anxious? Go to the Lord. Have you spoken to him lately? Go to him today. In fact, let's go to him right now. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that we can meet like this today. We have such freedom here. And we, you've given us such freedom to not just meet like this, but also to come before you. You spoke and the universe began. And yet you hear my voice now. 
you hear each and every one of our voices as we come to you. What a privilege you've given us. There is no greater privilege. And Lord, we're sorry for how we sometimes neglect it. I don't want to be a neglector any longer. I want to be your son. I want to take advantage of that which you want me to take advantage of. The freedom to come before you every day. Lord, sometimes I don't have words to express what I'm going through. But I know you can make sense of whatever noises comes out, Lord. You are good. You know me inside and out, and I need you. And so, Lord God, I just pray for this group of people here today, for those who who may need to lament, who may need to beat on your chest for a while. I hold them up before you, and I pray, Lord, that as they do that, that they would go all the way, that they would expend all their energy, Lord God, pounding on you, that they might finally, finally, pitch forward into your chest and allow themselves to be caught up in your love and your arms. Thank you, Lord God, that you never drop us. Lord, we want to pray as you have instructed us to pray. We want to get to that place where we can do that honestly. Help us, Lord, to be people who have no filters between us and you. Help us to be real. Help us to be men and women after your own heart. Pray that that would begin for each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.